Today, we're going to talk about beautiful things, and I see a lot of beautiful things right now in front of me. Let's stand, and, uh, and we're going to read one scripture that we're very familiar with. <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth that are nonsense would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But the words, Lord, that you have for us that would change our hearts for eternity and cause real change in our lives, that those words would stick and that they would convict us and that we, there would be real change, Lord, that would, that would help us to be more like Jesus. Lord, we love you today. We trust you and we believe what your word says in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get an amen for those of you who believe that the Bible is truth? Amen. amen. And we are a Bible-believing church, and I'll tell you guys, today I'm gonna, this is going to be laden with a lot of Scripture. And I hope that the Scripture and the Word that is truth will penetrate your hearts and really cause change, because I know as I was prepping for this, the Lord is doing a lot of work in my life as well. Today we're going to talk about beautiful beautiful things. And it's going to be centered around a question that I want us to ponder throughout uh, the next little bit today. And that is this question, okay? The question is, who am I? I'm Kevin. No, no, really. Who, who am I? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Who am I? Who am I really? I want us to have that in the back of our mind. It was the first day of my senior year. Went to Laverne High School. And uh, I was in the hallway, we have a massively large hallway uh, in, the, in the front entryway, and I turned a corner, and I had a friend, her name was Lauren, and Lauren and I were friends uh, since really freshman year, and uh, she went away every summer for family. And so the very first day of our senior year, I saw her for the first time, and she was down far at the end of the other hallway. And when I saw her, I was so overjoyed that I threw my backpack down and I ran all the way down to the other end of the hallway. I jumped on her back and I tackled her. I tackled her. I laughed and she screamed. She said, stop. And I kept going. She screamed louder and I laughed harder until I realized it wasn't Lauren whom I tackled. <laughs> Lauren... Uh, was not there at that moment. This was a brand new freshman, and it was her first day of school. <laughs> Welcome to Laverne High School. And so uh, I'm sure if she was telling this story, that was probably a tragic moment in her life. I have no idea who that person was that I tackled. We didn't have any other communication after that day. Uh, but the thing was, is that from a distance, when I looked at who I thought was Lauren, I she had the markings of Lauren on the outside, which, which motivated me with the action of pursuing her the way I did and treating her the way that I did. But what happened was, is Lauren wasn't Lauren at all. It was somebody else. Sometimes our actions are motivated on what we see on the outside, but really God looks at what's on the inside. When God looks at us and, 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 how we, and also how we treat one another, we are to actually be, uh, be, be motivated, our actions should be motivated by what's on the inside, not what's on the outside, or we can make all types of mistakes. Today we're going to talk about beautiful things. Does anybody here, would anybody describe your life as busy? Anybody busy? <clears throat> anybody busy? In our life, you know, we tend to get involved with a lot of things. And I don't pay, you know, 
too much attention to statistics, but to statistics say that the number one adjective used to describe life right now is the word busy. Second to that is lonely. It's so interesting to me how we can be so busy and so around so many people and doing so many things, yet still feel so empty and lonely inside. You know, I looked in scripture and I could not find a place where God called us to be busy. I never see in scripture anywhere that it says, God says, now thou shalt go forth and be busy. It does, it's not in there. God has equipped those he has called. And those he has called, those are the ones that are supposed to do whatever they are called to. Now, to some people, God is equipped to do a few things. And some people, God is equipped to do many things. And neither of them are better than one another. It is wrong for the one who is called to do few things to try to do many things. And it is wrong for the one who is called to do many things to do few things. The Lord has called and wired each of us to be different. But what we do is we look at everyone else as opposed to looking at him and look at their capabilities. And then all of a sudden we start to make our decisions and and life altering decisions based on what we see other people doing as opposed to just considering what God has put in us and what he's wired us to do and what he's called us to do. And so what happens at any time we take our eyes off Christ is bad, but, but we take our eyes off Christ and we start looking and we start looking and we start saying, well, I'm not as good as that. I need to do better. I'm not handling quite as much and they are, so I need to handle more. Or they're not doing as much as I am. Why should I be doing all of this? And we start to make up all of these things. And what happens is instead of us considering the Lord and, and considering what we do, uh, having value, because of the calling that we have in our lives, we just become busy. And busy lives don't have a whole lot of room for God. Jesus had an encounter, we, we read in the book of Luke, with Mary and with Martha. Martha was preparing all of the things, I, I assume, for the visit and, and the food and cleaning. And, uh, you know, I can imagine in the story, there's just this level of frustration because as she's working and doing all these things, Mary's just sitting there visiting with Jesus. Have you ever felt like you were doing all the work when somebody was sitting there watching you do it? And what we learn in this story is that there is a pivotal moment in Martha, that we see that she is outside of what's most important when she starts to make comparisons between herself and Mary. And then she goes to Jesus and she complains and Jesus responds to her and says this, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One of the big indicators in our lives on whether or not we are stepping within the will of God, whether we are stepping within our calling and and handling and juggling what we're supposed to is when our eyes are fixed off of him and we start making comparisons between us and other people. When we start carrying frustration, when we start operating out of the fruits of the spirit, when we start when we when we start to grow impatient and frustrated, frustrated in our conversation. When those types of things start happening, we've got to step back and evaluate, God, am I doing things that I'm not supposed to do? And if you're anything like me, there are times in my life where I have picked something up that I'm not supposed to have and I've left undone the thing that God has called me to do. Now, I do not, I have not mastered this and maybe before I get to the grave, I will master it. 
But the word know is a word that we can use in our vocabulary. And the person who taught me the word know was Margaret Meek. Other people in my life had tried to teach me the word know. But there was a difference when Margaret came and talked to me because I actually believed that Margaret loved me. You will listen to those who you believe love you. So if that's true, and we will listen to those who we believe love us, then where does that put us in listening to God? Because if we're not listening to God, do we really believe he loves us? Are you with me? This is what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's what happens, and this is how believers get so frustrated. We believe that whenever we walk forward into anything and we put God's stamp on it, and we put Jesus's name on it, that it's supposed to work for the good, because that's what the scripture says. But we, forgot, we forget the last part of this verse that says, who have been called according to his purpose. There's this neat little verse tucked away in Proverbs 19 that says, many are the plans of a man, but it's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. And if we're walking outside of the purposes of God, then you can't expect for God to put his blessing on something you're doing, even if it has the label Christian on it. Even if it has the label of ministry on it. Even if it has Jesus' name on it. Because you're not supposed to do everything. You're supposed to do what he's called you to do. And therein lays the problem. Because whenever we are outside of God's will and outside of calling, our identity gets wrapped into other things. We begin to question who we are. We begin to look at ourselves and see things in ourselves that aren't really true. We begin to falsify who we are and who God says we are. Now, I do not even like to say this because I think people who say this saying have a very shallow interpretation or understanding of the sovereignty of God. But this essentially, in some ways, is what we tend to do is we compartmentalize our lives and we say, God, you can have this box right over here. God, you can have this a little bit of time. We have that, all that busy schedule in our day and we try to squeeze him in somewhere where we can fit. And some would say, well, God has got to be number one on the list. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. God should not be on the list. God is the list. God is the list. And when you operate your life with God being the list, God being the foundation with which you order your life, then exponential, wonderful, incredible things can happen. And he will use you in the fullness of his purpose that he's designed you for. And you will walk with peace because you will know that your identity is found in him. We don't need to squeeze God into our schedule. And when we do, and when this is, a, and this is a part of our life, then we forget something so essential to the Christian walk, and it is this, God still speaks. God still speaks today. And people walk around and say, I don't know how to hear from God. Well, a lot of that is because you are so busy that you're not listening. One of the central parts of Christianity, one of the, the, the core things in the bedrock of Christianity that's different than all other religions is that our God is alive. 
And he wants to have an active relationship with you. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how many relationships you have that you never communicate, but that's a hard relationship to maintain. He wants to talk to you. He wants to share things with you. And to be quite honest, we need him to speak to us. We need to hear what he's saying, because if we don't hear what he's saying, then we're going to listen to someone else. And we're going to define our entire life and our, identi our identity based on that. This is our family. These are my daughters. And I love my daughters, all of them. And in to some extent, we have given them an identity right at birth because we gave them a name. You shall be called Hadassah, Lucia, Ruby, Nora, and I have a practice and a habit every single night. I go upstairs, whether my kids are asleep or awake, and I usually sit by their bedside and I tell them who they are. Lucia, you are kind. Hadassah, you are bold. You are courageous. Ruby, you are feisty. No, Ruby. <laughs> no. But I speak words of life over my kids because I want them to hear from their dad who they are before the world gets a hold of them and tries to paint them with a paintbrush that's not true. And the more that they can hear the truth, the more they'll actually come to believe it. Now, I am a flawed, broken daddy. This is their real daddy. Can you imagine what our lives would be like if we would believe what God says about us? Every day he wants to speak to you. Every day he has something to say about you. And every day you should be cultivating your identity in Christ. Because this broken world is going to rip you to shreds unless you are holding on to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he has some wonderful things to say about you. My question for you today, outside of who are you, is what shoes are you wearing today? What shoes are you wearing right now? Metaphorically. Some of you look down at your shoes that you put on this morning. You no, know, I like a good pair of shoes. And, uh, you know, some of us wear shoes for a variety of reasons. Some of you wear shoes for comfort. Some of you wear shoes because it's the style. Some of you wear, have uh, lots of shoes, maybe too many shoes, more shoes than you should have. Uh, all of those things. But there's a variety of reasons to wear shoes. And today I want to use this metaphor as we walk through some of the things that we put on when we walk out the door every day. The first uh, type of shoe I want to talk about, these are Nike shoes. They are lime green. I figure James Jensen might like these. He likes to wear a lime green color, you know. These are lime green shoes. These are expensive. I'm going to tell you right now, these were expensive, okay? These are flashy. And what, what a shoe of insecurity does, it says, I want to paint a picture for you for everybody else to see. That is a picture that I want you to see that I'm in control of. So my shoes of insecurity say, hey, look at this. Look how flashy this is. Look at, look at all of these things going on down here. I've got it all together. When really on the inside, I don't have it together at all, but I don't want you to see that because I'm insecure. Insecurity does this. It's a constant need for approval and a need for affirmation. Hey, Kevin, I like those shoes. Those are great. Those are awesome. Man, where'd you get those? It compromises your integrity and causes you to make sacrifice at great cost. 
in, people who wear insecure shoes, they will spend money they don't have. They will do things where they, that they don't have time for. They will say things that they have no business saying just to get the approval and affirmation of others. It causes constant anxiety and worry with regard to how things will go or what others think. Wearing shoes of insecurity will cause anxiety because you're constantly thinking about how others feel about you and think about you. But that's not the truth about what we're supposed to wear. This is the truth. It also produces a lack of trust. Here's the truth. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Here's another truth. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Those who do not wear shoes of insecurity bear fruit regardless of the external circumstances, regardless of what anybody else is saying, regardless of whatever's coming at them. They are who they are and they continue to maintain that posture no matter what. Shoes of insecurity, are you wearing those today? What about these shoes? Shoes of fear. Many of us wear shoes there. These are boots. These are high top boots because fear, you want to be covered up. This covers the ankle, this goes up the leg a little bit. I could have gotten real tall boots, but I chose to bring these. But man, fear says, I, I want to be safe, right? Fear says, I can't, I can't make decisions. I'm going to stand up tall. Sometimes boots help you balance, right? Because you're so stiff in them, right? Causes you to worry and not to trust. Shoes of fear are paralyzing rendering you incapable of moving forward. But at the same time, there is an innate feeling that causes you to want to run. Can you imagine if I tried to run a marathon in these? What type of pain that would cause? But fear shuts us up. We lace these on so tight and it paralyzes us from growth or doing anything. But that's not the truth of what the gospel of Jesus Christ says. This is what he says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is what else he says. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and self-control. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. I would argue that if you have the shoes of fear on, then you do not believe that God loves you. You have not embraced the truth that God loves you. What about these shoes? These are shoes of success. Now, these are some of the most common shoes, I think, because these are the shoes that really speak to our value and our worth. These are shoes that we put on and our identity can get wrapped in that says, you know what? I've climbed that corporate ladder. I have reached that position. I am successful. I have got a title. I have got a position. I am moving. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing this thing and I'm doing it well. Look at what we've got going on here. It is painting the brush for everybody to see the perfect picture of success. And these are shiny. But wearing shoes of success means that self-worth and value is above all else. 
that things and programs and ideas come before people. And it renders us incapable of rest. Because those who wear these shoes keep going and going and they have every excuse in the world not to rest. Because they've got to prove something in these shoes. But that's not the truth of what the word says. It says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What about these shoes? I'm sorry, they told me I need to hold these up. Miss M. These are shoes of the past. Now, these don't fit me. Okay? These don't fit me. But guys, some of us walk around with our identity being connected to the past. And it is time to grow out of these shoes into some bigger shoes. It is time to take footholds that belong, uh, put your footing into some things that actually belong to you where you are because wearing shoes of the past make you immature. The responses that you have to situations don't have any marks of growth on them. You respond like you did in the past if you remain in the past. It hinders your growth. And it's constantly taking, rarely giving. People who live in the past and wear these shoes of the past are always sucking the life of all those around them. You got to take off the shoes. They don't fit. It's time to get some new shoes. About shoes of the past. This is what the truth says. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I had the understanding of a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. What about this? Shoes of hurt. Now these are honking boots right here, okay? These will weather any storm, water, construction, dirt, mud, anything. These are protecting. Because when you wear shoes of hurt, you don't want anything getting in and you won't let anything out. You remain sealed. And you might walk around with a smile but you're not blinding anyone from the pain that you're in. It causes you to be guarded and put up walls. It causes lack of trust for others in your life. And it gives you the potential to hurt others because hurt people hurt people. So what about the shoes of hurt? You know, there's some truth. If you're hurting today, there's some truth for you in the word. This is what it says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those with any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Now, these are heels. And we're going to call these ridiculous shoes. Shoes of confusion. <clears throat> Shoes of confusion right here. Sometimes we put on shoes we have no business wearing. (laughs) 
And the more we wear them, the better we become at walking in them. Hopefully you can tell I don't walk in heels that often. But the reason for this is because... It is as ridiculous as it looks when we put on these shoes. And what these shoes say is I'm believing lies and I'm deceived. It means it causes pain for me. This is hurting right now, okay? This causes pain for you and it causes pain for others. And it is the total rejection of truth. These shoes are intentional shoes that you grab out and you say, you know what, I don't care what the Word says, I don't care what God says, I don't care what anybody says, I'm doing my own thing. And it's painful. And it doesn't sit right. This is what the Word says. See to it that no one misleads you. Ow. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Get this right here in your spirit, guys, because this is the generation we live in. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching hearers want to hear. What about these? What about shoes of shame? Some of us are wearing and identifying with shoes of shame. These are shoes that have been through some things. These are shoes that have been worn, tattered, broken. And when we wear these shoes, we say, I am a mistake and I do not belong. So many of us wear these shoes. And we go hide because shoes of shame do this. It does this. It keeps us in bondage. It's isolating. It robs you from the joy of community. And it makes you believe that you are the only one. But that's not true. This is what the truth says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. What about shoes of ability? These are cleats. These are cleats. Some of us are bound by our talent and our skill. I am so good at what I do. These probably of all of these are one of the most dangerous shoes to wear because this is what it says. There's no need for God. I can do this on my own, God. I've been prepped and trained for this. I don't need you. I've got everything that I need. Let me alone. Maybe it's an athletic ability. Maybe it's an art talent. Maybe it's a leadership area. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it, it is any area in your life that you say, I've got an ability, God. I've got a skill that I don't need to consult you on. I don't need to acknowledge you in. And the strength is found in the talent and in the skill, which is about, goes about that far. 
in reality. Often produces arrogant, proud, and prideful people. This is what the truth says. Do not think of each other more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Which shoes do you have on today? Or do you? I mentioned earlier, I said, are we busy? Sometimes we're so busy because we spend our entire day taking off and putting on shoes, taking off and putting on shoes, taking off and putting on shoes. But the reason that I put this on the floor and somebody would have said, man, during worship, whatever that was out front was distracting. That was intentional because these types of shoes will distract you from worshiping God. But do you understand that when you rise up above and your identity is put on into the Lord, the Lord looks down at all of this and you know what he sees? He sees beautiful things. Because the common denominator between all of these shoes is what's on the inside. You are in control of putting on these shoes and you are in control of taking them off. You are in control of putting on these shoes and you are in control of taking them off. Wherever you put your foot in these shoes, wherever you decide to take it, that is on you. But here's what the Lord says. I want to see the beautiful things. And this is the hope we have in Christ Jesus. You don't have to keep the shoes on. You can take them off. You can choose just like you put them on to take them off and walk in Him and be clothed in His righteousness. You are beautiful, not because you did anything. You are beautiful because he says you are. And he has incredible, incredible things for you, for his creation. So the question is, who am I? Who am I? Here's some things that he says about his people. Think of what you were. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Now think about this. When you were called, not wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble, of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Do you fit in any of those categories? You ever feel like you're not worth anything? You ever feel like you're the low, the bottom of the barrel? Those are the people that God chooses to use. But you are a chosen people. This is who you are. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Would the worship team please come out? When you are standing in heavenly places, 
It gives you a heavenly perspective. And you can stand in heavenly spaces because he still speaks today. The common denominator and all of this for all of us is you. What is your decision going to be? One of my most favorite things about the old sanctuary before this ministry center was built was that we would come into worship, a group of guys and me, some of my closest friends, and uh, we would come and we would get ready to worship. And let me tell you something. When we worship, we danced. And it was a little bit of a mixture between dance and aerobics, but it was, it was dancing. I mean, we threw down every Sunday, every Sunday. When we walked into the, the, to the sanctuary and we got down front, the very first thing to happen, the shoes had to go. The shoes came off. The Bible has a lot to say about shoes. I've seen it. I looked it up because of this. And in most references about shoes, it's talking about taking them off. In Ephesians, the attribute assigned to shoes is the gospel of peace. Anybody can use peace in your life? So we're going to do something this morning that's going to be a little awkward and it's going to be okay. I'm going to ask you to take off your shoes as you come down and receive communion. And I'm going to ask you to remain in this altar space as we proclaim to the Lord this song that talks about we are beautiful things that are being made new. Guys, somebody came into the house this morning need to be reminded that they are being made new. And so this morning, you can leave here not the same way you came. You can leave the shoes behind and leave. Now, physically, I need you to take your shoes, okay? But metaphorically, okay, you can leave those shoes behind and you don't have to put them back on. But the first step is to identify, I'm wearing shoes that don't belong to me. And you need to take them off and get before the Lord and make some proclamations over your life. Let's worship. Would you stand? Those who serve in communion, come on down. Everybody else can follow behind. We're going to gather in the altar space after you take communion. And we're just going to worship him for a little while, okay?